Welcome to the Noble Mother Podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to heal, learn, and grow from powerful stories and experiences shared by sovereign mothers and women. Mothers and women who question when their sovereignty is in danger. Mothers and women who have faced deep grief and loss. Mothers and women who have walked the coals inside themselves to unprogram what they thought and who they could trust to really come home to themselves and their power. These mothers and women fiercely protect their spiritual energy and their family's health and well-being. On the Noble Mother podcast, we will share stories of birth, life, magic, and death. I hope you find healing in the wisdom shared. I'm your host, Victoria Nicholas, and these are the Noble Mothers and Noble Women and their stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Noble Mother Podcast. I am so delighted today to welcome Jessica. She is Jessica with a K. She is the most unique and soulful human who's just an artist in her, just an artist human is how I love to describe her and a sister in her own right. I'm going to give you a bio on her because she's incredible. Jessica is a mother, a soul maven, and a woman on the path. She is dedicated to serving women and mothers as they move through the always evolving call to create a compassionate, empowering, and embodied relationship with their souls and their community. Jessica supports women in accessing their intuition to assist them in gleaning wisdom from their ordinary experiences trauma, and generational stories. She's the creator of the former group Mavens for Mama and an in-person and online community that centered motherhood as a rite of passage. She also developed the popular online course Unshame My Story, which is designed to guide women through the process of releasing and reconciling their shame stories in order to access their maven, their wise one. She's currently leading Tending the Soul workshops online and in-person writing a Soul Note newsletter, and hosting the Soul Maven podcast. Jessica is professionally trained in the areas of functional medicine coaching, Reiki, accessing intuition, holistic nutrition, birth and postpartum, birth story listening, family constellations, creative somatic practices, and yoga meditation, and has, the, and has woven these modalities together over the last decade to create deep dive Soul Maven sessions with both her group facilitation and one-to-one clients. Welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you, Victoria. It always feels so good to enter a conversation in space with a a woman that you feel really seen by. So thank you. 
Oh, I see you so much, sister. And thank you for coming on. I've been wanting to have you on since I started the Noble Mother podcast. But for some reason, I was like, oh, it's not her time yet. I just never, it never, you know, I ha- I saw, you know, one of our other girlfriends had you on and I was like, okay. I'm like, no, it's still not her time. And I didn't know what that meant. I think now I do know what that means because you were, there was a different journey happening, I guess. And this is the journey now that's to come together, I think, to be shared on the Noble Mother podcast. Today, we're going to move into, we sort of, we riffed beforehand and you had brought up this beautiful compilation of the tension of opposites that we carry. And so I was wondering if you could talk to the mothers and the women that listen to sort of your insights around that. And we're going to have Finn here. Sorry, we're going to have a little Finn. Again, the juxtapositions of things, right? As we move through these conversations. Yeah. So the tension of opposites. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be in Finn's precious light presence. Oh, he's so sweet. I wish listeners could see, but you heard that sweet gurgle and <laughs> the tension of opposites. Yes. Isn't that true? It, it's not certainly something that I have made up. I mean, this is a this is a universal sort of force. Carl Jung, Mary Woodman, my mentor, Syl Reynolds, has been supporting me over the last year deeply with this. And I mean, it's something we all feel as women, right? The, the, and let me just explain it. So the tension of opposites, we're holding two what seem to be opposite opinions, feelings, emotions at the exact same time, right? And there's this tension between them. And in our society, in our world, there's a lot of asking of us to be this or that. Well, mm. which is it? You know, even as even depending on what kind of partnership you're in or at work, you need to make a decision. You need to choose a side you know, whatever it is. And I think for me, since as long as I can remember, I've been both really comfortable in that tension of holding the opposites within myself in many ways, but there isn't always a culture, society, group of individuals around you who are willing to hold you in that. And thereby, you become stressed, anxious, you think there's something wrong with you, you feel forced to pick you're wishy-washy or something like that. And, and so I was, I've been thinking about it a lot over the last year and I'll get into more specifically what storyline it's been so loud in, but just for the sake of it, I mean, thinking about all the areas we hold this tension as women, as mothers, you know, in motherhood itself, like right now you're at work and you're breastfeeding, you know, and, and you're, and you're, you, you love your children and you give them every beautiful piece of you that you have to offer, you know, and 
you want time away and you just wish you could have five minutes for Mm -hmm. yourself and you can't help but sometimes think about the dream you had when you were 21 and what that would, you know, one that maybe got left somewhere along the way. And it's okay to be in both of those. You know, it's okay to hold both of them and to understand that as, 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 as people who are living deeply in the feminine, you know, for me and you and I, we're living as women who are deeply in our feminine. And this is just part of our makeup. This is just part of our energy, you know, and to go against it is what causes so much suffering, I feel. Absolutely. And like, do we think that this happens because of the, I hate to just blame it on, you know, the matrix or like the platform in which us as humans reside in. Or do you think that this is something even when humans ran free, let's say, still felt that conflict in themselves, but in different ways? Like, I wonder. I mean, I wonder too. And sure, it. I'm sure it's just part of the human experience. And it's mm-hmm. not to say that it's only a woman's, it's only a woman's path. I'm sure as a human being, we all experience this tension and it gets really uncomfortable. And certainly it's part of our process, you know, and how we do make decisions and how we do move through life experiences. I mean, we're always living within a life, death, life cycle, Mm. you know, we're holding grief and joy in every moment all the time, just by knowing that, you know, we're alive and that one day we're going to die and everyone around us that we love Mm. is going to pass, you know, so that each breath is holding like exquisite joy and exquisite pain. And Susan Cain wrote a beautiful book called Bittersweet. And it's the perfect, it's the perfect word to sum that up. And so, yeah, I do believe in terms of the matrix or the platform or the patriarchy or whatever you want to call it right now, our society is systems here anyways that we are living in, in this Western world are dominated by, you know, making choices and picking sides. And there isn't a lot of wisdom around holding that tension or at least holding it well. We all know how to be in the tension. We mm-hmm. can drive ourselves fucking crazy in yep. it. But yes, you're right. And so what are some of the ways that you love to sit in it? What are some of your practices or, yeah, just sort of movement in that? Well, I guess, first of all, the first part of it is like naming it and understanding it so Mm. that it just doesn't feel like this inner turmoil that has no name, that's personal to you, like what's wrong with me? You know, why am I feeling, you know, like I absolutely, and I'm not saying this personally, but I feel like we all get into it. Like, why do I feel like, you know, I love my husband or my partner? And then in another minute, you're like, but, you know, just gonna like leave him like I'd be way better off in a yeah in a community of women and you know or I love you know aspects of my job or whatever and on the other hand I feel dead inside and I don't know why you know great examples Um, 
just knowing, just like knowing that this exists and it's not all about confusion and disorientation, although that comes up a lot, but naming it first and then you can be like, oh, okay, so you can depersonalize it just a little bit to like step back from it and see a bigger picture and larger forces at play, right? And then, you know, just on a physical level, like things that are nourishing to a nervous system, like everybody's talking about nervous system stuff right now. So moving it through your body, you know, mm. not letting it get stuck in your physical body and like fully seeing it through to the other side. A lot of the time we are just, we start to move it and then maybe we get interrupted or it feels too uncomfortable and we stop and then it stays wherever it was along that tunnel and doesn't get through to the other side, right? And then right. we get to add on more the next day and the next day and the next day. So I love dancing. I love shaking. I love, you know, all these practices that we know of, but just to be in it, you know, to be sort of with the wildness of it. Mm. Yeah. I, I want to, if it's okay, I interject you. I have started it's called effigy breath it's so have you ever heard of it no it's really fascinating this gentleman he's canadian but he lives in kentucky now anyways he holds a community breath sunday service for free each sunday and you almost breathe it's almost like a hyperventilating breath for an hour and he is a music composer and he works you through and sort of it's probably, I've never done like a microdosing or a psychedelic or anything, but after I do it, my body is vibrating these that I've never experienced before. And if I am in that tension and I name it prior to the breath, and then I, and I do that sort of community breath one Sunday a month, I find that's really helped move it through my body as well. It's a very, and it's free. He's offering it for free right now. I will post of course, your info in the show notes, but the, but that as well, it's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, I've just been doing some breath work recently again. I've been at two different events and vibrating is exactly the way I would describe it too. And it is almost like a high. And mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Watch, I do watch myself with all of these things. Like I have microdosed and breath work and you know, there's all like cold plunging, like there's right. all different ways that we can really boom, like fast forward and get into these states. And they're so powerful and useful. And if we're coming into it, so here's my both and again, so mm -hmm. it can be so powerful and I do them all and I love them all. And if I'm coming in totally dysregulated and not doing the little things in between, you know, it's just like anything we can get, we get the high we want from it. And then we pendulate back to whatever it is we were, yeah. state we were at or whatever our status quo was. So yeah, I think those practices are really powerful and having wise teachers, like it sounds like who you're using sure, yeah. to really properly help you, you know, move through them. Yeah. And Stuart, that's great. Yeah. And integrate it. Right afterwards yeah 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 because I, I think a lot of people are trying a lot of things and it's almost like we just said with the tension it gets 
stuck halfway or it works halfway and then it doesn't really fully move through. Yes. And if there's one thing I learned through a journey of counseling, you know, good 11 years of my life really committed to speaking to a counselor was that there were things that came up seven years over and over again until they were ready to be released. And that was really normal and really normalized with my mentor and my counselor. So that is a normal thing as well. I love that. I mean, that's another thing we spoke just before we started recording this. One of the other major ways that we are in this tension of opposites or this and that I've often wrote or talked about this and that or both and not my terms. I don't take credit for it, but they're they're ways of living and self-inquiry that I'm, you know, that I subscribe to, you know, and Mm -hmm. one of them is that we are healed and healing at the same time, right? (laughs) You think you've got something all sorted out and healed and to a point that you have, and that's also something I've noticed through my motherhood journey, is that 20 years later, you know, new layers are asking to be witnessed, new layers are asking for presence. And that doesn't mean that all the work we did before doesn't count. It's just here we are in this new piece of the puzzle. And and some of it is for me to know and to figure out and some of it isn't. That's right. And you know, I'm I hope it's okay we we weave in to this now because I found it very interesting. This you can always follow Jessica's story. She's a soul maven on Instagram, but you you recently had a loss of of a baby and I found it interesting you admitting of all the ways that you related in your experiences in mothering over like 21 years, but you never had her loss. And so I was like, wow, like I was I was a little bit shocked by it because I was like, wow, like normally when we are choosing life, we know there's that that chance of loss. So it was interesting to hear you reflect on that and speak to that and now it's at your door it's you know at your doorstep essentially so you're acknowledging that but I thought that that was really fascinating did you find that was a fascinating discovery for you or no I mean I guess because I mean my first pregnancy I was so young and I was still so in my eye and in my maidenhood, you know, all uh, at first, all I could think about was how it was affecting me and my life, you know, at 19. And no, I didn't think about loss. And I guess, no, I know what you're referring to, that live that I shared. And I guess I never went down that path. I really had strong feelings that that these souls were coming through and that's that's what was happening and maybe because I was younger maybe I mean it's not entirely true because I did witness some very devastating loss in my life with with someone that I loved who lost their infant after they were born and they were a young mother and so that was always there but it and I understood it in a way that most 
young women at that age wouldn't have, right? Because I oh saw God, and witnessed because it. Yeah. Just of who you are too. Yeah. And so it was always there, but it didn't feel like my story, okay. you know? And, and I never went into working, like later on as I worked in motherhood, I didn't work with women who had loss. I worked with birth story medicine and this and that. And I guess what shocked me and what you're referring to is, yeah, how little I knew. How little I knew. I knew what I saw in a movie, you know. I knew maybe a few things I would have read along the way when I was preparing for childbirth. But I think I often skip those chapters. You know, I think there's two parts of us. There's maybe two different types of people who will go one is like wants to know everything, will go in it, can't help themselves and needs to know that information to feel better. And some will like avoid it and or maybe just choose not to bring it into that space unless it's necessary. And I would say it's even the same for cesarean or some other major things that I've never experienced mm -hmm. that I was like, you know what, when I get there, I'll get there. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And here I, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, here I am. And I guess I was, I was saying that I was really humbled because I have worked with mothers for a long time in the experience of motherhood, the rite of passage of birth and motherhood and postpartum. And I had not been initiated personally into loss. And so, because I hadn't been initiated into it, I didn't speak to it, yeah. right? It wasn't my medicine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I did, you know, there's a whole process that led up to this last pregnancy that was full of this tension of opposites. I took maybe two and a half years at least. I mean, my youngest child is five. My oldest two are 21 and 16. And when I had my last child with my, now my husband, my second husband, I kind of just thought that was it. I just thought, whoa, I'm 36, like, whew, I'm doing a good job here. And, and I wanted to have a baby with him. And it was scary. I was holding a lot of you know, fear of starting over again because I had sort of come through the other side. My other ones were like 16 and 11, right? So I was way already moving into another phase. And then and then somewhere along the line, and I guess I'll just skip to the, like the mysticism part because I haven't shared about this a lot, which is, you know, a soul kept, soul kept making itself known, you know, through if I went to see my trusted energy, workers and other people and it was also a feeling and yeah talk about the tension because I really felt like you know I'm done and I'm getting older and and my older children are needing me in ways that I had no clue you know like being a mother of a teen and a mother of an adult is a whole different ball game Mm -hmm. And you are also being like remade all over again. And when you are remade, you know, we can use this caterpillar analogy till the cows come home, but it's, it, it's beautiful 
tension of opposites <laughs> and it's meaningful, you know? And so I was being made new again. And anyways, the, it took a long time. It took years for me to build up sort of the, in a way, courage, but also like a a comfort within that tension of opposites, which is what I'm talking about, instead of like the anxiety and the like sleepless nights and the, okay, what about this? Well, then what about that? And the intense pro-con lists and all this like human brain stuff that we want to make sense. And what kept interge interjecting was this this soul calling, right? This little, oh, was hey, that ma Was that Maven? Was that Maven or was that this last baby? It was Maven too. Two, okay. And then again, yeah, this last one. Oh yeah, there was lots to bring in Maven. I mean, that's we'd need another podcast for okay. her story too. Okay, I would. Love but that. it was it was very conscious in that in that place. Like I knew I was going to have another baby. I knew her. She would be a girl. I knew her name was going to be Maven. You know, mm, and I okay. knew I was going to have a home birth and. You know, all of these things came to be. And so with this last one, I just, I couldn't see. I could feel presence. I could feel their presence. I could feel my husband's deepest heart calling and longing and connection as well to, to this soul. And, and I was lost in my pros and cons list and I was lost in the fear of what this is going to mean for me. And so it took me years to get right with this tension of opposites. Like, I mean, talking to friends ad nauseum, like not everybody, but close people ad nauseum about it, like deep emotional turmoil, afraid even at sometimes it was so hard on my relationship, like mm. with my husband, it was really hard for both of us and by no means was he like pressuring me or you know nothing on that level no it was it was pure just his I could feel his longing because we we're connected and yeah. it didn't mean that I was prioritizing that over my own but I held it with as much weight as my own because he's my love and he's my partner and this is a family that we have you know yeah which might be contrary to some p other popular sort of opinion, but for me, that's what our oh, union is about. Unit. Absolutely. Yeah. I wondered too, did you, did a part of it feel like when you were like 19 and got pregnant, like were there similarities, not in the partnership piece, but just the like, what was happening through your mind of like how you thought it might change so drastically because you're at this otherwise sort of you were maiden when that happened but now you're mother and that happened I don't know if there was like a parallel there or you came back to that place a little bit absolutely I mean you you nailed it there was huge parallels first of all I was so young. I felt like I'm so young and like I, then I became this young mom you know and I was obviously it was easy to pick me out in the crowd like I was a young mom and it was before I was really ready and 
I was on the threshold of like all my friends were going to university, moving away, like doing all these things. And and I was now on a different path and I wanted it and I was terrified. And I also knew I was going to have a girl and I felt her really deeply and and same with my son, to be honest. But yes, there was a deep parallel. And just like we talked about new layers of healing, right? Like 20 years later, now I've got three beautiful children. I've, I've seen some stuff. I've been through a lot. And now I feel like I'm, I've crossed over 40. You know, I'll be 42 in just a few weeks. And I'm entering, I'm feeling shifts. And I feel like a distant call from the, like the next stage. You know, like I'm not anywhere near the crone stage yet but it's like a it's like a long call that it's like okay you're moving closer towards this than you are back to to maidenhood and and yeah one of the big things I'll share was that actually helped me want to take the step to try to get pregnant and feel like I could do it was that story of my of my first daughter I was cooking and Maven, my daughter, she's so tapped in. And for a long time, she just kept playing. And I'm sure lots of kids play this. But they, she wants to put a doll under my shirt. And she was always wanting to put a doll under my shirt. She wanted me to, like, show that I was going to birth them. You know, we have this little shtick that we do. And I had just seen my the person that I get energy work from and I've been I've been seeing her for almost 10 years so I, I trust her implicitly and she knows me and we had this really profound session and I've I had always felt a strong masculine energy but I was you know a little bit confused still whether that would play out as a, a boy or a girl but I felt a strong masculine energy and I was cooking spaghetti and Maven was just really coming up and she was putting this doll under my shirt and I was really processing. Like she had no idea what was going on in my mind, you know, but I was deeply processing this energy session, a baby, you know, my past, exactly what you said and, and being on this new threshold and all the feelings and all the unhealed parts of my maiden, you know, that I still work on because I, I love my daughter so much. You know, it's like I would never want her to feel that I didn't want her or having her was not absolutely the most 100% perfect thing to do. And there are all these unhealed parts, you know, and it was a, it was a quick and a rough initiation into motherhood. But then I heard this voice as I'm stirring the spaghetti and Maven's like putting this doll under my shirt. And I was like, oh, you know, this isn't my first choice. You know, it's not my first choice. I don't even know if it's my second choice, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I, and then I heard, but it, it's the right choice. And I, and I also heard this voice inside me say, but neither was, neither was Zoe, you know, becoming a mom at 19 was not my first choice. Yeah. In a way, mm -hmm. at least not in my mind. But the the soul contract and whatever was going on and having her is the first choice. But in my mind, it's not like I was like, oh, okay, now I'm graduate high school and I'm gonna, you know, become a mom right away in a toxic relationship, you know. And I just felt like a deep settling, 
like whatever that tension was that was like really I couldn't get right with it I just felt this deep exhale like this deep settling like ah yeah that's right you know it's gonna be okay and it was it was a few different things like that that happened deep voices you know I don't often get visuals like I do work in the realm of energy and I'm comfortable there but I'm not one that like sees things like some people are very visual Mm -hmm. I feel and I sense sometimes I sort of hear things but I saw like a little outline of a little soul you know following me even around the yard one day in September And and then I was like, oh, and this was like right after I had said no. I told my husband, you know what? I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And the answer is like, I can't. I just can't. You know, and we went through all the pain of that. And then not a couple of weeks later, I'm just sitting quietly watching and I'm looking out and I'm seeing this outline. And my first reaction was just like sort of in awe watching. And and then right beside it was like, oh, fuck, (laughs) you know? I just. Yeah, absolutely. Uh huh. I just. You you have a five year old now. Like you've just come out of that. Yeah. And I just made the decision in air quotes, you know, I chose the side. Right. Right. And now all is well and it is what it is. And no. Oh, to be human. To be human. (laughs) And so. So there was, needless to say, there was a lot of thought, heart, soul, emotion, everything put into choosing to get pregnant and try at 41. And there was this and that. There was tension of opposites the whole time. You know, I got pregnant the first time we tried. And, you know, not for anything, but I was, and I've said this to someone else too, like I did feel relieved that uh, for all the emotional processing, like years of it that I did and the work that I didn't also have to go through a long physical journey for fertility, because I don't know what would have happened. And it also just really feels how close they were. Like it was like, you know, there you go. Here, we're ready here we're ready let's do this and yeah I I had no idea in many ways what was to come as I've said like I and I definitely thought about it more this time I had a strange feeling and not everyone's gonna have that and it's not right or wrong like it doesn't matter it's not about me saying I have you know I knew the that I was gonna have a girl and you know I'm not trying to boast about that but that's just been my, my experience. And then I had a strange feeling. And the feeling was that I couldn't, like whatever was going on was not for me to see as it was in the past. Like I knew I was going to have Zoe. I knew she was going to be a girl. I knew I could feel what was happening. I knew I was going to have a son. They told me it was a, a girl at the first ultrasound. This was back in two thousand sex and you know I didn't know a lot about making choices around ultrasounds and things like that and they said it was a girl and I was like huh okay like they're really 
maybe I lost it. Like, hmm, I really think I'm having a, a boy. And then we did this UC baby thing. I shudder to think of it, but it's like this 3D. Oh, yeah. The right. 3D stuff was like popularized everywhere. I was living in Toronto. It was everywhere. It was the new thing to do. And at that time, I was becoming a doula, but there still wasn't a lot of, it wasn't in my training anyways to worry about that. And the cultural norm of it outweighed whatever I was learning at that point. But, you know, at like, I don't know, 32 or 33 weeks, they're like, why do you keep calling it a she? <laughs> and when we were looking at them, isn't she this? Isn't she that? Because that's what we were told. And they're like, no, it's a boy. And I'm like, I knew it. But anyways, I didn't have, and good thing I'm a procrastinator. It's not like I had a lot of stuff yet. Some people would have right, you know, right. certain things prepared. I didn't have that sense. Couldn't see. It was very unnerving again because it was never my experience before. I couldn't see. I couldn't feel into the outcome. Mm -hmm. And not that I could so much with the others. There was a, a wide variety of unknowns. But you know when you just have a feeling? This was a feels, mysticism to it. Just yeah, there was, mysticism. There was, yeah, there was a, it was, it was, deep mystery and a lot of unknown. And it was also very unsettling. Right. And, and different things happened. I had one night very strong and, and really painful, like nine out of 10 uterine contractions right before I found out I was pregnant. And I still don't know. Like, it's just, again, one of those mysteries. I still don't know what happened. I don't know, maybe somebody of your listeners will will know or have had this experience before, but I do know it was related to a past work that I did. I had that feeling once before and it was related to like a medical trauma that I'd had around like internal ultrasound where my uterus contracted that bad and put me like I had to go to the hospital and it was excruciating. But, you know, so I had that. So that sort of set the tone like, oh my God, what? Is everything okay? And you know what happened? It happened three days after I found out. So I found out I was pregnant on Christmas morning, which felt very interesting. And then I went into these powerful contractions on the night of the 28th, which is when I would have delivered Maven five years ago. It was the eve of her fifth birthday. And she was born at 12.06 in the morning. So I labored through the night and I had these same powerful, like, but they were painful because it wasn't labor. It was something else happening that was painful. And, and I couldn't feel into, you know, a boy or girl. So I called them wolf bear and I would write letters to them and wolf as if it was a girl and bear was if it was a boy. <laughs> and I would write letters to them at different times and always inside of those letters, there was this feeling like, okay, if you come, I just want you to know, okay, I know that you can see through this. My physical human body is really scared. And like, I know I look a little flustered right now, <laughs> but you're safe in there, you know, and like you can stay and I'm going to be, you know, the best mom for you. 
And if this isn't right, like if something isn't right and you need to go, no, I'll love you from here. I'd never, ever written letters or thought like that before. You know, I, I can't explain it. So I, yeah, I'm just going to pause there. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's always interesting to look back on things in hindsight, right? Like you're, you're moving through it and, and you look back in hindsight and you see all these things, but yeah, I really felt things all the way. And so one of the ways that I would try to counteract that is I, I told people like early. So like I have very, I have such a close group of women and I had talked to them anyways about this whole like whether I should try or not for so long like when I found out I was pregnant I you know I told them right away I welcomed them on my journey with me I didn't need to keep it a secret but you know I decided I was going to share as a way to like show my confidence yeah no so on one hand tension of opposites I'm showing my confidence and I'm and I'm trying to like tap into the joy and feel other people's joy. Everyone was so positive and supportive and I couldn't have asked for a better network. You know, I'm so fortunate that I've nurtured a community around me that just like, you know, and that's yourself included. And, but then the other side was I kept this secret list. Like I wrote down who I told and I needed to know in case I had to share that something happened. I didn't want to, it's like I had to have a list to know. And it felt bizarre, but I thought, okay, you know, I'm in my 40s. It's, there's higher risks. You know, this is normal. Sure. And it could be, and it's fine. And if anyone does that regardless, or maybe you do that something of this nature because you've had losses before, or, you know, and, I don't know. I, I'm just tipping my t dipping my toe into this world, you know, of loss. And, and many women have gone before me on such, like, excruciating journeys, you know. And I feel grateful that my body, when I did move into the miscarriage part, which was over Valentine's weekend, that my body like she really showed up for me and I almost crack up every time because it just it's like in the same way she showed up for me at birth you know she showed up for me in this way too and like so many women I have a complicated relationship with my body you know I'd be lying if I didn't you know we go through it we work on our selves and our confidence and self-love and being you know grateful for a body and other times you're just like I want it to be different better you know sick of having gut issues or you know this many pounds would be better or why can't I perform this way or why do I feel tired especially now crossing the threshold of 40 and feeling some different shifts coming in my body and yet she showed up so well I'm 
I listened, you know, to one of your other podcasts with, and I think I, I don't know if it was right after, but I did listen to one of your other guests share like just a lot, like a lot of like a medical emergency and just, you know, my heart ached for her just thinking all of that on top and and you know anyone who has to go through that same with their birth experience that it just it like overlays sometimes the sacredness of what's happening and I was able to stay in the sacred and we you know we came home we were away for the weekend and you know i my husband was so strong because you know as i was starting to spot you know there's always a, a an in between phase where you're like it could be okay you know right. spotting right. is normal right like not maybe not normal i don't know but it's common and it can be fine you know yeah and I was sort of in that place. I, I called someone. I asked them what they thought about it. They said, yeah, sounds like it's fine. Like, you can still go away for your Valentine's weekend. And we brought Maven, our youngest, with us. And we went to a beautiful place. And all the while, you know, she was swimming and skating with him. And we had this fancy dinner planned. And all the while, I'm just, you know, I'm spotting and spotting, spotting. I'm wondering, is it going to go away? Is everything okay? You know, just this like half smile, this half smile, you know, cheering on her as she learns to ice skate and as she's, you know, doing well in the pool. I can't join them, of course, right? Like I'm, I'm moving through this physical thing and certainly not going to, you know, go. I mean, I think I went in the pool a little bit when it was light and kind of, and she's wondering, why is mom, you know, not joining in? And you make up. You know, obviously I wasn't going to say anything at the time. And she knew I was pregnant. You know, that's another whole really difficult aspect of this story is that, you know, we did choose to share quite early, like maybe eight or nine weeks. And I, you know, my husband really wanted to. And I don't know if maybe it was part of his. And we're so close. You know, it was just so hard to hide. It was so hard to hide. Yeah. She's so yeah. tapped into us. Yeah, you're a unit. Yeah. And so, yeah, one of those things, like, you know how I said I would, like, kind of want to show my confidence to the universe and be like, everything's okay. It was like, I went to bed that night and they had their own bed and I went into the bed by myself and I'm there's crisp white sheets, you know, really nice hotel, crisp white sheets. And I'm like, I'm going to sleep naked. And when I wake up, the sheets will be white and everything will be fine, you know. And of course, that's not what happened. And yeah, so we moved through the day and I said at some point I could feel things were getting intense. And now in the same way you start to enter labor land when you're you know, you can go about things for a point when you're in early labor. It's not the same, but it's the same energetic liminal space. And then I was like, we need to go home. We need to make this drive home. So we're like two hours away from home. And 
And I was able to take her somewhere because I felt I needed to be alone with my husband. And so she went to somewhere and we just came home and we moved through this process that I just knew nothing about. I didn't know what it was going to physically be like in the same way you don't really know what labor is going to be like. You can, But I hadn't even really read about it or anything, you know. But I, but I knew what to do. And, you know, I, I shared in another podcast that there was a, the moment right before everything happened and my, my uterus let go and, and, you know, it was, I guess, the finale, the, the actual passing was that right before I had this moment where I just, I started like wailing and crying out to them, you know. Because I had been holding so much of this. I was so lost in the fucking muddiness of like, oh, oh I'm confused and I, I don't know and da-da-da-da-da and like I'm scared and I'm happy, but I'm scared. I'm happy. I'm scared. You know, it was like all over the place. And I just like had to like wail it out to them. Like, I love you. Like, I love you. Like, don't think I didn't want you, you know, like that's just stupid human shit. And I, and I had been holding so much tension for months, you know, not only months, but years of this mind game, thinking that I was in control. And like, when I said yes, and when I decide, and then this is how it's going to go. And here I am brought to my fucking knees and humbled. And it's like, you are not running the show. This is not about just your preferences and your comfort. And so I'd held all of that and it just cracked open and I felt my heart, like it physically felt like my heart was breaking and in the exact same moment, my womb just let go and it was happening. It was instantaneous. It was like two things. So I just, I don't want to like scare people. I want to, when they're hearing this, I want you to like feel the like the beat. When I talked about like the bittersweet earlier. Yeah. No, it was like bittersweet and it was like exquisite and excruciating and the heart and the womb when you're hearing your healers and your sisters and you're listening to podcasts and you're hearing about this, you know, TCM or whatever you follow when you hear about the heart womb connection like it's real like it's real it's not just an idea it's not just like a meditation it's like it's real I felt it and so for whatever that's worth as you tend to yourself as women like I just pause there Thanks for letting me share all of that so far. <laughs> what a beautiful initiation, Jessica. Thank you for sharing that and feeling that. I'm sorry that's the moment that you needed to feel that heart-womb connection from your wolf bear, but what a gift as well, the tension of opposites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I've been so supported, and so, you know, my husband and I, we took great care. Like I, I know a lot of people's women's miscarriages happen on the toilet, and you know that's 
It's like this whole, there's like a sacredness of what goes down in the bathroom. Let's go a lot of things. I was just, I just saw Liz Gilbert in Toronto this weekend and she was talking in her book, you know, she, she made a joke about that too, because like breakdowns, you know, like you're on the right. floor crying yeah. or like she had her moment. In that her was that eat, pray, love. Voice. Yeah. I can still remember and, reading that part in her book and really feeling it. Like, oh yeah. Even the color of the tiles she describes in that bathroom. Come yeah. to Jesus come to Jesus moment in the bathroom and, you know, and that's what it was like. And I, I was really, I wanted to make sure that I had the remains and everything to bury that was important to me. And I felt deeply supported just from women ahead of me in the same way I felt in birth, you know, like, not feeling this alone. It's like when you're, when you're scared in parts of your birth, like even with the most, I feel like in the most beautiful birth and I've had all kinds, I've had three different, really beautiful births in different ways, but there's some moment and transition where you're like, this is, I'm terrified or this is more than I can do or, you know, stop, just kidding. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to do this or like, I'm going to die or something. There's, it just gets, whoa, for a second. And I remember feeling like, you know, thousands of women ahead of me, you know, over time of my, my lineage and all lineages, you know, it's like, it's okay, Jessica, like this, you're just part, you're just in the circle of life here and you're going to be okay. And it was the same thing on the other side, you know? And so I felt really raw, really primal. I even had this moment, and this is probably going to sound crazy and don't think I was Not literally going to do this, crazy. but I, re- I, th- I thought about like how animals will sometimes like, like if eat they it. were doing, they would eat it. Yeah. And, and that crossed my mind, not that I wanted to eat it, but I felt the desire to have it back part of me. It's like, this is belongs, like this is of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh. And it just felt so earthy and so. And so I think a big part of the healing is like, Mm. has been on one hand, all the spiritual and the meaning making and talking about it like I am with you and like opening up. Like I just, I, I don't, I think it's so important to have platforms like this and that women can hear because I, I didn't know, I didn't know about this stuff and it wasn't talked about in this way. And it's certainly not talked about on the websites that you get from the hospital or whatever, like you find when you're Googling and, you know, there's some good things out there that I had to really sift through, but there were a lot of gaps. And I just thought, oh my God, like, what are women doing? Like, how are they getting through this? You know, with just that as a resource, like it's an, it's something. And for some, it's going to be enough and that's okay. It's different for everyone. But for me, I just was like, whoa. And And so it's been like two parts, like the spiritual, I have so many wise women around me. I've I've been able to talk with them and get their insights and, and my own, like just sitting with my own. And as I said, you know, speaking with someone else recently, like it's just, it's nature and it's not personal. It's not like I am getting punished. It's not like it's, it's all about me, Jessica. It's just 
nature. It mm. just, we live and we die and we live and we die. And there's this birth and the seasons and it just some blossom and bloom from the seed and some don't. And I'm not minimizing it. Like I feel, I felt and I've shared already in the podcast, a soul connected to it, but it's both. Mm. Right. And then we can like relax in that into something larger than us that our little brains just cannot sort out. And it gives the permission for those little brains to just soften. Yeah. And let that pressure, you know, like you said, you're back and forth in your brain. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the list. And then you can acknowledge that that's, that's a part of us, but there's another part of us. And it's so protective almost, that other part. You know, I have a mother, Marin, who owns Indie Birth, and she always talks about her 10 children and how she tells them that she's their mother but they have an earth mother, you know, and that that earth mother is going to teach them sometimes more than she can. And it almost doesn't alleviate the pressures that you have as a mother, you know, to nourish in these 3D realms and love and tend to, but you know, there's another mother that also your children can find resources in and learn from and step into yeah, and guide them. And feel into. And that we have access to that mother too. You know? Right. That's right. In in all of the these tender, excruciating, beautiful moments that are called of us. And I I don't know what the future holds, you know, just to sort of tie it all up in an imperfect bow. Like I don't know what's next. And I'm just giving myself a lot of grace. And and sitting in the humility, you know, it's not like I was intentionally trying to be a smart ass, you know, and like no. think that I know everything. But I just thought I put a lot of emphasis on my choice and my decision and my preference while also trying to follow the deeper purpose, the larger purpose, like back to what I said, stirring that spaghetti and feeling like, okay, it's not my first choice, it's not my second choice, but it, it, it's the right choice. And at that point, I thought it meant that I would be coming out on the other side with a, a baby, you know, but for whatever reason, it's this and it's the, it's the deeper mystery and the, the path of grief, you know, and and being able to be in the inquiry and also being really willing to surrender to just not knowing. Mm -hmm. There's so much in that. Because that can free you <clears throat> of so many other sometimes narratives that we can live in. And stories that we tell ourselves. So 
wolf bear really what a life purpose they have given to you for you and your path right now and not like you said the way that you thought but just in a mysticism even more than you could have imagined yeah and that doesn't take away the pain and the grief and those are the tension of opposite yeah growth and expansion and grief and pain yeah and they're almost they almost go with each other don't they yeah they do it's a it's like this tension of opposites is not a spectrum it's a circle right and mm, it's it spiral a spiral and it all it's all woven together and that's what makes it so damn beautiful now we know why we keep coming back i guess as humans because it is it is it's beautiful and it's not sometimes yeah it's ugly it's messy. Yeah. 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 It's bloody. It's it's wretched at times. It's Anana's hook, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot, that myth, because we use it a lot in postpartum work and the, the initiation of motherhood and and it applied just as much in a whole new way to this you know, the loss and, and I just want to like honor anybody who's listening, who's made it this far, if they've been through loss and also like as a, to any mothers who are pregnant or, you know, just to like stay in the, in the joy that they have. And, and if anything to just like to soften into this tension and let go of the control mm. as much as you can. And it's, it feels almost impossible. Yeah. And it might be, <laughs> you know, it just might be. But, you know, I have three healthy, beautiful children. I have so much to be grateful for. I, I had an experience of a loss that went about as well as it could. And it's not like that for everybody, you know? And so I continue to be humbled and I stay in gratitude for all that I have. It's not to lament about what I don't have or how hard this lesson was, but a little bit, you know, it's like I'm working it out and I am so grateful to be seen and heard and like given some grace with the imperfection of it. If I say something that, you know, it's just coming out in one way and, you know, maybe in a week or two, I'll feel differently, but mm -hmm. you know, that anyone who's listening or anyone who's going to share their story now, maybe with someone else and be like, I didn't process this, you know, or I need to process this within myself in a deeper, meaningful way or with some space, not like go back to work on Monday or like, right. oh, it's been a few weeks. Like they say on the website, like after a week or two, you should start to be feeling better according to the hospital website. Like I get what they mean by that, but also we know better and we know like it takes the time it takes and it looks different and we don't want to be lost in despair forever, but it's okay if you touch it, like you won't break. 
and touch it here and there and at different occasions and different moments or smells or it is an initiation of sorts to walk that path of that loss, you know, and to experience that. And it seemed like, and for you, and I do think that this happens sometimes is it is a parallel path to other stories and timelines of potentially other things we maybe put on the back burner from past lives, depending on what you believe in or in your current life. And so the dial gets turned up sometimes a little bit. It's a good way of putting it. And, and that's okay. It's shit and hard when that does parallel. Because then it's like, wow, why am I going back there when I'm here? And now this is happening. And, you know, like, and I'm just sort of, and even making reference to knowing, you know, Zoe and choosing you. And, but then also what that felt like to know that like, okay, whoa, I'm going to be a mother. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's my first choice or my second choice and being on this end of it. And having a supportive partner and all the foundational pieces that you think you could say yes and still potentially saying no and then saying yes and then it being humbled and and coming out in a different storyline. Yeah. Together. They're so interwoven. It's so much that I, you know, I could, I could probably write a whole book on it, Mm -hmm. you know, just. And also it would mean something and it would mean nothing at the same time in the sense of not to say that it wouldn't be important or whatever, but it wouldn't, there's a, a letting go of meaning is what I mean. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see, we'll see what's to unfold. And the, the interesting thing is for all of the the ways that I've talked about, like, oh, you know, stepping into motherhood, you know, there was times when I stepped into motherhood and each time I stepped into motherhood wholeheartedly, you know, has been, it's been my legacy. You know, I don't have a career. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I don't have like a high paying, affluent education or things like that. I had to, I had to Instead, I walked the path of motherhood right after being a girl, like so many before me, and still do. I mean, it it just depends what culture and time you're in. And there were benefits to that, huge benefits to being young. And, you know, I know my, you know, sometimes my daughter will reflect and will laugh on how, you know, her younger sister's life is and the mom she has is different than the one that, you know, my son or my first child had. And, you know, I've grown over 20 years and, and it's all been through the threat of motherhood. And I'm so grateful for that. So I, and this is just another part of it. It's just like another deepening layer to it. And yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it. And I just also want to honor the fact that sometimes it's really hard to step into that, you know? It's hard to step into that full, the full yes, when there's yeah. so many implications. And, and you know, Kasha and I talked about it too, about how being a conscious parent, like, you know, and knowing what you're going to give to these children, like, of course, 
of course it's a big deal. And of course at 41, I'm going to be like, okay, I got to think about this. Because not only do I know what it means to raise a kid to five, I know what it means to raise a kid to 22. (laughs) I know what it takes. And, you know, so I don't just, I'm not just sort of winging it. I, I have a deeper understanding of that. And so, and I take it seriously. Like I don't, take it lightly. I take it as a very important calling. And, and maybe I didn't know that at 20, but it's for some reason I knew it enough to, you know, accept it. Absolutely. And it was so interesting. I I have a girlfriend, Colleen, and she had, we were reflecting on a few things in mothering this weekend. And she had said, there's a belief she has where if you have a daughter, if you're a lot of women who have daughters first sometimes are playing out a past life where that daughter was your mother and you were the daughter and then you know and it reverses in different lifetimes and so but then if you have you know a new partner and that you that child that you have with this new partner is a daughter that's more of a reflection for your partner than it is for you and I can see so many different Timelines, I guess, is what I'm saying in your mothering journey. I don't know if they're accurate or if that resonates, but for some reason, I felt called to sort of share that and see that. And I think, like, talk about a legacy. Like, that's just not a job or a career. Like, you are creating a legacy of stories and lives to be healed and integrated and come here. And so, it's beautiful. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks to us all who take it and those who don't and those who support mothers around them and, yeah. and, and blessings to those who choose it and those who don't, you know, I, I've thought a little bit about those who go through an experience where they choose not to have the pregnancy and, and then like, or get pregnant and then choose to abort or, or choose yeah. another path and, and how there's not enough space for the this and that and the tension of opposites of that. Absolutely. But I felt a level of that, even though it wasn't my choice per se, but something deep was going on there. It was very complex, mm. you know, and, and so for, for that too. And so just to, just to wrap our arms around all the women who are listening in all their walks, you know, or those who haven't chosen it yet because of how deeply they honor what it means, you know? So we see you too. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes. Thank you. The tension of opposites in all of it. Wow. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Victoria. There is so much honesty and wisdom and humbleness and medicine in this story and in your life. And I'm so grateful that you came on and you walked us and allowed us to walk with you through that path and over that bridge. And it was beautiful. So thank you. Thanks for making space for me to do it and and holding it with love. Mm. My pleasure. Such an honor. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will be posting Jessica's 
info, of course, in the show notes. If you feel called to work with her or connect on some level, I will have her information in the show notes. And we wish you all, all you mothers, all you sisters, all you wise ones listening, beautiful rest of your day. And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, as you're integrating into spring here, love to you all. Thank you. Mm -hmm.